I wanted to change scale a little bit. Um, undoubtedly, uh, large, fossil, large fossils like dinosaur fossils, like the West Runton mammoth, are a lot of fun. But it's sometimes tiny fossils, microfossils, that offer us insights into the past that way beyond what their, their tiny size might suggest. So in the final clip that I want to show you now, we're going to go back to Central England, which is the first programme of the series, which is going out on Friday night. And we're heading back. Um, these creatures were alive back during a time when there were volcanoes erupting around uh, the landscape of what is now Hertfordshire. And that's what this clip starts with. And then we will see just how uh, wonderful tiny fossils can be to compare to the larger fossils that we've been focusing on so far. When ash settles, it can create the perfect environment for preservation. Some of the most exquisitely preserved fossils in the world have been mineralised in clay that was once volcanic ash. Remarkably, these fossils can be found in Britain today but they are mostly microscopic in size. So to see just how amazing they are, some high-tech detective work is called for. Here in Oxford, a research team has been applying cutting-edge techniques to analyze these microfossils. Based at the Oxford University Museum, Derek Sibiter is a key member of the team. What have we actually got here? Well, we've got some of the most amazing fossils that have been discovered anywhere on the globe in the last 20 years. Really? In this funny-looking potato well, thing? Well, yes, really. I can't quite believe that this has got anything to do with what we're seeing on the screen. Well, the fossils which you see in the nodules are transformed by the process of computer rendering to give the type of fossil here which you see on screen. And what you've got here is a sea spider. We can make it turn around so we can see the different parts of the morphology. And this sea spider is very similar to the sea spiders which you find present day. And how big is that creature, that sea spider? From here to here, it's about four millimetres. And all that detail in, in four millimetres is preserved inside one of these nodules? Yes, and much more because when you increase the magnification, you can see here on this purple-coloured nose-like uh, feature, the mouth. So that's the mouth of the sea spider. They're as rare as hen's teeth. You find them in about two or three localities anywhere in the world. And this, I think it's fair to say, is the best preserved of any of them. They are preserved in calcite, a form of calcium carbonate. How significant is this find? It's very significant because what these animals are providing us with are unique insights into evolution. They're throwing up particularly combination of features which have been lost during the evolutionary process. And by analysing these features, we can get a much better understanding of ancient pathways, ancient lines of descent. Our work has uh, hit the popular press and, in, and indeed the broadsheets. But the thing we're most proud of is page 41 in the sun. <laughs> Old Todger, great headline there. But, but what was the story, though? Well, this is a small microfossil. It belongs to that very important invertebrate groups called, called the arthropods. It's related to crabs, to shrimps, to lobsters, uh, scorpions, that sort of thing. 
But the reason the sun got it was because it preserves the oldest male organ anywhere on the planet. Fantastic. Yeah. In perfect 3D preservation. In perfect 3D <laughs> preservation. In fact, it's probably fit for action. <laughs> And it's not just this creature that was particularly tiny. All of these fossils are pretty small. They vary in size from less than a millimetre to about five centimetres. The images you see on the screen are models constructed from virtual dissections, a pioneering way of analysing microfossils. We take the fossil, uh, we cut it into a very small block, and we grind it away, very thin slice at a time. We take a photo, and we do it again and again and again. Until at the end, of course, the fossil's gone, but the um, data is captured on computer. We get a data set like this. Mark Sutton grinds down the fossils in successive stages. Although the fossils are destroyed through this method, he creates a kind of dissection with a rewind button. You can see incredible levels of detail. We've come up with a process that's actually producing a very powerful way of working with fossils and something that's in a lot of ways better than having the real fossil in front of you. We can do things with this material that we couldn't do in any other way and it's providing just a very important new way of working for paleontologists. Some of the really most fascinating fossils that I, uh, that I encountered while working on the series and I think what that, that story illustrates nicely is that uh, there are aspects of paleontology today that are really cutting-edge 21st century science <laughs> that are making use of, of uh, up-to-the-minute technology to, to study something that, um, you, you know, it, you wouldn't be able to study. I mean, if Buckland and Mantell had found uh, those funny potato nodules, they wouldn't really have been able to study them and get the insights into ancient life that um, Derek Sibiter and his team is, is doing today. Now, I know we're, time is getting on a bit, so uh, the final clip that I've chosen um, to show to you tonight um, is, uh, illustrates the type of thing that if you were to go to one of uh, the great fossil locations, hunting locations of Britain that we have, I mean, really, you can find fossils all over the country, but you're probably familiar with the North Yorkshire coast and the Dorset coast, the Jurassic coastline, uh, as, as places that many people go on holiday uh, to, to look for fossils. You don't have to go to those destinations, but if you do, uh, keep your eyes peeled, as this clip will show you, because every now and then, um, oh, we've got another little run-in, but um, every now and then, uh, a new and very exciting discovery is made. Again, just by people who might be walking along the beach, an, an amateur or, or, or holiday maker even, just would see something in the rock and then report it. A little further along the coastline here in Yorkshire, I've heard there's an intriguing new fossil just exposed on the beach. A fossil is any evidence of ancient life naturally preserved. Phil Manning is a professional dinosaur hunter and one of our regular fossil detectives. Hi, Phil. Hi there. What are you looking at? You've got to come and look at this. This is a gorgeous fossil. You really rarely get to see one still stuck in a beach bed like this. Wow. So what is this? Is this a, a, a spine? Absolutely right. You're looking down the backbone of a sea dragon, a marine reptile that was stalking the oceans 190 million years ago. 
And from these bones, do you know what creature it was? What reptile? Absolutely. You can look at the actual shape of the bones. It tells us straight away we're dealing with an animal called an ichthyosaur. An ichthyosaur, Literally right. Literally meaning fish lizard. These pieces here, these are, are they individual vertebrae, like we have in our spines? They are indeed, and you can even see the discs that would have padded in between each vertebra. Obviously, these have turned to stone over the 190 million years, but they show the spacing of the vertebrae. It's beautiful. To actually have the discs, that's incredible preservation. Well, it's, they've turned to stone. This, this is still, it's a fossil. The, the original material is long gone. And is this quite a, a recent exposure? Yeah, a local group have found this fossil quite recently, and you can see how it's already being weathered quite badly by the seas on this wave-cut platform. But at low tide, we get to see it for a few hours. Yes, indeed. And so how big was this ichthyosaur? Well, you're looking at an animal about three to four metres in length, and this is a marine reptile. Well, I know it's called a fish lizard, ichthyosaur, but it is a reptile, an air-breathing reptile. If you can imagine, it's got this long snout, lots of teeth, going into a really streamlined body. It's got small paddles at the front, and paddles at the back, and a, almost a shark-like tail with a beautiful dorsal fin, just like you'd see on, on, on a shark. But this is a reptile. These animals were perfectly adapted, streamlined, to living in a marine environment. These bones embedded in the rock are the fossilised remains of the animal itself. So what's going to happen to this fossil? Well, it's been weathered quite badly, but there's a huge amount of information we can get from the backbone. The most important information, though, would have been from the skull. Now, unfortunately for us, some folks got to the specimen before we could. Now, sometimes people dig things out of the ground and they don't have the right tools, knowledge or expertise. And this can happen. And this is where the skull was. Now, it's, it's sort of a cautionary tale. In fact, we've only got the tale. The caution is, <laughs> don't remove the skull. Right. And, and it had all information on what the animal was like, probably even down to a species level. And that's gone. That information has been lost. So here, I think that's even a chisel mark. You, you can see where somebody's <sighs> tried to lever out the skull. It's so frustrating. It's a shame. If, if you find something like this, the best thing to do is go to your local museum, or there are groups around the country who specialise in knowing exactly what to do when you find a fossil. And the most frustrating thing for me, I can actually see where some of the skull bones once lay. That's, that's where part of the skull, the rostrum, was once sat. And it, it's just gone. Shall we take some records of it, even though it's partially gone? There's still a lot of information we can record, so it's definitely worth doing, yes. So there we are, a rather exciting find, but with that sad story that some unscrupulous people had got to it before um, it had been brought to the attention of people that would really know what to do with a fossil like that, a lesson perhaps for us all in there. And, and I know we've really nearly run out of time, so um, there we are. That was a flavour of uh, what Fossil Detectives has to offer, back from the discovery of the dinosaurs to 21st century virtual dissections. And the, um, I hope you all enjoy the series, and I know that now um, Peter um, has very kindly um, agreed to answer some questions um, that Mike will facilitate. And actually, I've got a question for Peter, because <laughs> how big do iguanodons get? Because <laughs> I think I said they were bigger than they really were. Did you say six or seven metres? Yeah, I did, but they don't get that big, do they? That's all right. Do you? 
as soon as I said it, I thought, oh no, they, <laughs> they're really that big, but they are. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks.